0: You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cuddle of Gary Cuddle Ministries.
1: We need to be maniacs for Jesus. That if he were to call on us right now, we would say, where do you want me to go? That place don't look like much, Lord. I want you. Okay, yes, sir. Just go and trust God. Work it all out.
0: Maniacs for Jesus. How often do you meet Christians who are as sold out to the Great Commission as the believers in the early church? We read in the Book of Acts how people gave up everything to follow Jesus and many would even be martyred for the sake of the gospel. In today's message, Pastor Gary will be encouraging us to be completely sold out to Jesus, so much so that we would be able to give a quick and complete yes to whatever he would call us to do. Then we will be able to see the world encounter God's love. Now here's Pastor Gary in the book of Romans chapter 9 as he begins his message, Missions mania.
1: love that we have a Savior who is eager to help. One of the things I've learned in the years of ministry that I have under my belt is that ministry is messy because people's lives are in shambles. We like our little cookie-cut programs and our little this is the way we want to do it, and this is the box that's got to fit in, and this is the color that it needs to be. And we got all, but people's lives don't work like that. People don't fit into our religious boxes. They're a mess, and if it weren't for the grace of God, they wouldn't have anything to show for. And they certainly wouldn't match our list of qualifications that we try to put on people so they could meet our standard and fit. In our clique in our club, God forgive us for being so arrogant as to assume that because God's been good to us, that we have elevated ourselves to some spiritual status above somebody else. We're all a mess without Jesus, every last one of us. And I've learned to just love people. I'm learning. I have my bad days. I'm trying to learn to love people like Jesus, and not to approach people with a critical eye and a critical spirit and a condescending attitude and a better and holier than thou, but come one, come all to the foot of the cross. You can find the grace that I found in this, boy, it tastes good, amen. It'll quench the thirst of a thirsty soul. It'll, It'll make you, the hungry can come and be satisfied. 100% 100% satisfaction guaranteed. <laughs> and you can find your satisfaction in Jesus. Ain't you glad for that? I don't know what you're going through, but God knows exactly. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted or tested as we are, yet without sin. <laughs> And he became our substitutionary sacrifice so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. Talk about a trade. He got the worst end of the deal. And we got the best end. If you've ever doubted the love of God, let it stop today. If you've ever doubted that God loves you, stop it. I can prove unequivocally without any shadow of a doubt today with the Word of God that if you are the vilest of sinners in our midst, Jesus especially loves you. He's after you. And He will save you just as quick as He'll save anybody else. All we need is to come to Him with our sins, our chains and all. Put our faith in Him. Believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Confess him with our mouth. Believe in our heart, and he'll save you instantly and eternally. God saves for keeps. Amen. He does. He saves for keeps. He's not an Indian giver. He's not going to give you salvation today and take it back tomorrow because you, all this. Look, if you had to get saved by grace, what makes you think you're going to keep it by works? Come on, everybody. I'm glad that Jesus is right, like the song says, for whatever's wrong in this world. There's a lot of things that are wrong in this world. It's, even in our churches, we don't like to admit it. We have our whited sepulchers. We have our whitewashed walls. We have our beautiful chandeliers and our beautiful sanctuaries. And we all love the stained glass and all and, oh, it's great and all, but... If we could look on the inside of our hearts and souls, it's not, not as pretty a picture, usually. If we could look on the inside of our minds and our thoughts and our attitudes, boy, we know how to put on a plastic face, don't we? And come in here and act like we got it all together, but the truth is we're just about to fall apart. And I'm telling you this morning that if there's anything in this world that's right, if there's only one thing in this world that's right, that's Jesus Christ. He is not your problem, sir. The devil is a liar. I know what they've taught our youngins in our liberal high schools that religion is the world's problem. Oh, no. Well, man made religion, maybe. But Jesus ain't just another man-made religion. He is God Almighty robed in flesh who dwelt among us. And the difference is we're not trying to reach his height because we couldn't, but he came down to reach our low so that he could scoop us up out of the miry clay and set our feet on a solid rock. That's not religion. That's a relationship with your creator. Don't you ever forget that. Don't you ever forget that. He loves you with an undying Everlasting, unquenchable love. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? It's so great I can't even preach it as good as it is. I try. I've said before I can't exaggerate the grace of God, but I believe the Holy Ghost wants me to do my dead level best. <laughs> That's how good Jesus is. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. I'm not going to preach my sermon that I thought I was going to preach, but I will give you a thought, maybe a teaser today. I was going to take my text out of Romans 9. Let's just read the opening verse. Maybe I'll give you part one today, and we'll pick up where we left off next. Give you a reason to come back. Amen. Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. Paul the Apostle writing here in sorrow, he says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. And I can relate to this to some degree. Not so much the next verse, but this one I can relate to. I've had people ask me after I've poured my heart out, tears streaming down my face, Preacher, are you okay? I I get it. I feel the weight, the heaviness on the hearts of other people, not just my own. I'm going to be okay. This is par for the course. And if you had any God on you, you would also have a sorrowful heart for the broken world around you. Amen. Verse 3, for I could wish, Paul writes, that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Paul essentially here is saying, if I could take your place in hell, if it meant you would go to heaven, I would do so. Now, that's the verse I don't know that I can relate to. I don't know if there's anybody that I would want to go to hell for. Now, the good news is we don't have to. And Paul's not suggesting that. He's just simply making a statement of how much he loves and wish that his fellow citizens, the nation of Israel, would see the light of Jesus as their Messiah. They were forsaking Jesus so to the point they, they were the ones that put him on the cross. And Paul at first led the way with them in persecuting Christians, if you remember. And no doubt his heaviness is in part due to the fact that the reason some of his brethren that will not receive Christ have not done so, because they're still subscribing to what Paul used to preach. And now they think he's lost his marbles, and they're carrying on in a legacy maybe left by Paul before he converted. I know my father-in-law, Brother Randall Boatner, if you talk to him long enough about his life before Jesus, he'll begin to cry, and he'll say, man, I wish to God that I never led so many of my friends astray back in them days. There's a heaviness, especially when you know that you contributed to the demise of others. Amen. But Paul's saying here, boy, if I could, I'd I'd, I'd even suffer for you so you wouldn't have to. But that's not the way it works. You've got to come to Jesus. Jesus did your suffering. What he's trying to get them to realize is that he's giving his very life for a message that he is begging them to accept and receive if he's willing to give his very life for this message. See, that's what makes the gospel different than any other religion. There's no other religion where so many people were willing to give their very life blood for the cause. That's one of the evidences and proofs of the resurrected Savior, the sheer volume and number of martyrs who gave their life to the true account of the resurrected Savior, they would not recant. They would not say, no, I just made it up. You might find one delusional fella amongst millions that might do something, but you you cannot have hundreds of people who all give the same account and refuse to admit under pressure that it was all a lie. They were so fanatical for Jesus that they, many of them gave their very lives. The subject of my message today is, or my title is Missions Mania. You know what the word mania means? If you don't, I'm fixing to give you the definition. It means or denotes a specified type of mental abnormality or obsession. You know, to live for Christ like they did in the Bible days, you can't be a normal person. You're peculiar. You're different. You want to be an oddball It's even hard to find sold-out Christians within the church membership, much less out of it. No offense to anyone, I'm just being honest. Really compared ourselves to first-century Christianity. How do we really stack up? Are we really missions mania-minded, we're so sold out that we're fanatical and crazy for Jesus. Some people may ask, well, how much is it going to cost to serve God the way you're suggesting? I'm going to just be right up front about it. I don't know how much it costs, but I can tell you this, it's likely going to cost you everything. Nothing should be off limits to God. And that's the point. Paul is saying, if I could, I'd give everything, even my eternal rest in heaven, I'd give up for you. Are we that fanatical for Jesus, or are we so drunken by culture and society and obligations to pay the bills and build the houses and pay off the notes and all this that We spare very little, if any, time for the mission of the gospel of Christ to be carried to the ends of the earth. And then the very first question we want to ask when someone suggests that we do more is how much is it going to cost? When Jesus said, you've not resisted unto blood striving against him, basically what he's saying, until you've bled and died for it, zip your lips, don't talk to me about cost. mission's mania it's got to get in your blood it's got to get in your spirit it's got to get in your, the forefront of your thought that Jesus is number 1 above all else i know we got to pay our bills i know we got to work i got i know we got to make a living and all we got responsibilities and we should do all that but not at the total expense of the work of god laying to the side and waiting on a better and more convenient time for us to decide to cooperate we need to be maniacs for Jesus. That if he were to call on us right now, we would say where do you want me to go? That place okay. don't look like much, Lord. That's where I want you okay, yes sir. And you just go and you trust that God work it all out. Maniacs for Jesus. We're going to have to quit asking the wrong questions when God asks us to do something for Him. Start asking the right questions. What we should be asking, and I'm giving you the spiritual perception of this, not as how much is it going to cost us, but how much is it going to cost the world if we don't? How much is it going to cost my neighbor if I don't go see them? How much is it going to cost the neighborhood children down the road if we don't go uh, figure out how to get that bus cranked up and filled up with kids and brought to church? What is it going to cost our community? How much more down the the spiral of sin and ruin will this community be plunged if the churches don't rise up and make themselves known and counted for Christ today where is the church when the world is crumbling around us uh, uh, we're trying to keep from drowning when we we're the only ones with the real lifeline we should be throwing out the life and it's going to cost and it's going to hurt and we're going to have to do more than we've ever done we're going to have to spend more than we've ever spent we're going to have to give more than we've ever given but, oh, God, help us to get a missions-mindedness uh, that the devil cannot stop. Amen. My prayer is that this year that God has positioned us to do more than we've ever done before. Not that we can gain bragging rights, amen, and brag about how many we have baptized and how many join the church and how many are attending. But before you criticize me for trying to reach higher numbers, Might I criticize those who use that excuse as a cop-out for doing what God's called us to do. Every number represents a soul for whom Christ died. So I make no apologies for praying that God fills this place to overflow because the more people in here, the more sinners saved by the grace of God. Amen. We've got to get out of our mold, our religious mindset and way of thinking. And I'm completely out of my outline, but I'm in line with the Holy Ghost right now. We have got to get our thinking straight. We have got to wake up and realize, if not now, when? If not us, who? If not here, where? It's time for the armies of the living God to quit making their excuses and biding their time until more souls live, breathe, and die and go to hell and start doing something to make an eternal difference in their community. And it's not all the preacher's job. God knows if I could do more, I would. And I want to do my dead level best, even though I already feel like I'm doing too much. But how much is too much when another soul needs to hear Jesus? How much is too much? All I know to suggest is that you follow the voice of God in your life, no matter what it costs you, because in the end, You will be compensated when, where, and how God chooses. Amen. And you may go through many trials and tribulations. You may go through seasons of hunger and pain and distress and anguish. We could read about it over in the book of Acts. I think it's chapter number 21 where Paul and them set sail and they had to say goodbye to friends and family. Sometimes that mission is going to cause you to go places and separate from things and people that you love and cherish dearly. But you've got to follow the voice of God above everything else in your life. You know what? The rewards far outweigh the hurts. Amen. The gains far surpass the losses. And I'm not talking about more money in my pocket either but to gain the promises of God's Word, the presence and the power of God in my life. The enablement to fulfill His will for my life is more precious than silver and gold. Amen. Missions mania. I'm talking about where where are you in your walk with God? Are you despondent, disengaged, distracted, or are you plugged in and ready to rumble for Jesus? Amen. I'm glad God's raising some up. They have a hunger and a thirst to make a difference for Jesus. I trust that you're seeking him in that capacity. And Listen, God's going to send more our way, and God's going to send some from us. That's part of it. You can't get mad at everybody that leaves. Everybody that leaves ain't mad at you. Amen. Everybody that leaves ain't going to be uh, leaving because, you know, we're used to people leaving because of a church fight. God help us. No, we need to be known as a church that sins out and they're leaving because it grieves their heart to leave, but also they've got more to look forward to because God has them on a mission. That's mission mania right there. We don't raise them up to keep them. Church ought not to be a museum. Amen. This is a living, breathing organism. It's not an organization. It's an organism. It's a living, breathing entity, the body of Christ filled with the Spirit of God. And things are going to move and shake. And we're going to gain some and we're going to lose some. Sometimes it's going to be uh, because of things that were unnecessary. But I'm praying that more, than, uh, more often that we'll send people out because God raised them up in our midst. And now that God's going to send them out. And some of them can be sent out from right here and they come back every Sunday morning to report. And during the week you go out into your mission field. Whether it's your workplace or the shopping center, the gas pump. Amen. I just want to challenge you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you go all out missions this year. What can I do? Whether it's being a personal soul winner or whether it's giving to missions, or whether it's getting involved in church-related activities and programs that help us reach more. Wherever you can find a place to serve with your person, your gifts, and your talents, find out from God where that is and get busy doing it. But don't, at the end of the year, regret that you didn't go all in or that you didn't go all out. Amen. That's the foundation and the thrust of this message. I may preach more on it next, but I may not. I don't know, but we got a broken world. They need Jesus. We have Jesus. Let's get him to them any way possible. And uh, you pray for me that God will give me wisdom on Anything we can do collectively as a church, there'll be a good fit for our church. But most importantly, there'll be an obedience to his directive for our ministries. Missions mania. I want to declare this verse as our verse. I prayed about this. And a lot of churches do this, and I don't think it's a bad practice. So I said, Lord, what, if we had a verse of the year, what would it be? And this is what the Lord gave me. Psalm 34, 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Amen. We're in this thing together. God, help us to make this our focus this year. How can we magnify the Lord even more than we've ever done before? This is a challenge to us.
0: You've been listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle. We're so glad you joined us today for this study in God's Word. Be sure to subscribe to True North on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss a new edition. This broadcast is part of Gary Cottle Ministries, and you can learn more about it and Pastor Gary by visiting our website, garycoddle.com. That's Gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L.com. We'd like to invite you to partner with us in sharing the good news of Jesus through this ministry. Would you join Pastor Gary in praying for those listening? Pray for ears to be open and hearts to be receptive to the truth and love found only in God. Please keep Pastor Gary in your prayers as well as he continues to seek God's direction in this ministry. Another way you can be a part of what we're doing is through financial gifts. All amounts are appreciated and useful. Please, prayerfully consider your involvement in this way. And if you feel led to give, you can mail a check to Gary Coddle Ministries, 1112 Old Washington Road, Thompson, Georgia, 30824. That's 1112 Old Washington Road, Thompson, Georgia, 30824. Thank you for partnering with us, and thank you for listening today to True North.